And so, as you know, CTS, Clean Talk Show, um, Clean Talk Squad, Christian Talk Show, any of those, um, we're going to keep it clean, productive. And, you know, it's exciting. Like, I felt when we covered Genesis, Zeno and myself, it was so exciting. And I could not wait to get to the next one. So thank you so much for agreeing to discuss Exodus with me. Hey, why not? To God be the glory. I know that's right. So um, we do like to open with prayer. Do you feel okay to do that? Or would you like me to open? Like whichever one you do, if you do the opening, I'll do the close or vice versa. Okay, I'll open up. Oh, Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise. We thank you, oh Lord, for giving us the ability to fellowship with each other and to fellowship with other people who come on this app, oh Lord. We ask the Lord for your Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts, guide our spirit, guide our words, oh Lord, so they can be edified to your kingdom, edified to our souls and spirits, and edified to our listeners' souls and spirits. May the comments, oh Lord, be productive comment, comments that advance your kingdom further. And we give you all the glory and all the praise for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. That was awesome. So um, what I'd like to do is just kind of visit, just revisit Genesis for just a moment so that we can ease on into Exodus. Um, because the way that Genesis ended, I thought it was pretty phenomenal. We learned a lot about Joseph. And I saw Joseph as being this really super cool guy. He was so charismatic. He was so obedient to the Lord. Um, he had a lot of trust and faith in the Lord. And I think that's why he received a lot of favor. So my question to you is, um, what are some of your thoughts um, about Joseph and Genesis as we move into Exodus? Well, if you pay close attention to Joseph, you can see that he was definitely a Old Testament predecessor to Jesus Christ. You know, being thrown into a pit, being cast out, um, working for people who didn't appreciate him, but then being exalted to the top of the kingdom. Sounds familiar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So look, he, he yeah. actually came and helped the, helped the people who least appreciate him, and this, which was his brothers. Just as Jesus came to help his brothers, the Israelites... Who didn't appreciate what he what he did? Yeah, we're not the there fact. yet. <laughs> I know we're not even there yet. So you're you're moving away for. I know, for it. <laughs> I know but away for it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but we you we, we going through Old Testament texts. Always remember that it does all flow back into the New Testament, so that when when you when you see certain concepts, you'll see them happen again in parts of the New Testament and are in or referred to in the New Testament. Well, that's something to look forward to. And we're definitely going to treat these segments like we're just we're just going through the Bible from the front to the end. So we've already covered Genesis, which obviously covered the very beginning, the creator who created everything, the heavens, earth, the uh, nature, animals, you know, all the different nations and languages, all of that happened in Genesis. And we saw where Joseph 
was just a very prominent figure in Genesis. And although there was some sibling rivalry and his brothers tried to kill him and sell him as a slave, um, Joseph did not have any type of ill will or he wasn't hardened towards his brothers. And in the end, he was kind of like, their save. he saved the day. He saved the day for the Hebrews. And um, Joseph was living in Egypt. So he brought his family to Egypt and things went really well for them in Egypt. And uh, Joseph ended up dying at the age of 110 and he did uh, die in Egypt. So we're going to move into Exodus at this point. I do want to pick up the comment and, you know, thank you for the listener that's there. If you have any comments, any questions, just feel free to go ahead and chime in. So let's grab this and then we'll jump into Exodus. Hello, you guys. Just tuning in. Hope y'all have a great show. Thank you. Maya so pretty. Thank you very much for your message and for being here. So, um, Jab, are you ready to jump into Exodus at this point? Yes. Um, yeah, I'm using my um, Christian Standard Bible. It has a nice introduction into every book of the Bible. So I want to re- at least read some of the introduction. Um, so it starts off as the book of Exodus, like the other books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, names no particular author. Earliest Jewish and Christian tradition, however, affirmed that Moses was the writer. In several places, the book indicates that Moses wrote down God's instructions. Thus, the book is formally anonymous. There is every reason to accept tradition that was written by the main character in the storyline, Moses. Historical background. Exodus opens where the book of Genesis ends, with the death of Joseph of Egypt around 1805 B.C. But by Exodus 1.8, the narrative has skipped forward 300 years to the period of the Israelites' enslavement in Egypt. The first half of the book describes how Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt through the initiative and miraculous deliverance of God. So the we're just going to stop there. We're gonna yeah, we're going to stop there because that's where they go. Yes. So we're just going to stop that point. Yeah. So message and purpose. Exodus is the continuation of Genesis and that we see it within it the fulfillment of God's purpose to Abraham to make of him a great nation, the nation of Israel. Absolutely. To accomplish this, God brought the people of Israel, Abraham's biological descendants, out of Egypt, out of bondage in Egypt. I'm, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to I don't want to make too many um, spoilers there. And then maybe we can come back to it a little bit. Well, in our next segment, in this segment, we're basically covering um, from Exodus 1 up into, I think we're going to go up to chapter 12 and kind of drop off there. And we're going to discuss a lot of different things too. So it's not like we're just going to do um, verbatim reading and, you know, all scriptures. We're, we're just going to make this a Bible study and um, let us know how you guys think this is working out. Again, when we did Genesis, it went really well. So hoping the same for Exodus. So it, it sounds like, Jack Morris, with Exodus, we're going to have Moses introduced to us, correct? Correct. Okay, so um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Moses and how he surfaces? And like, what's the story? How did um, Moses come into the scene? Okay, so um, I'm going to start here and sit. Um, at, um, let me actually just read a little bit. I'm going to say, um, you look at Exodus chapter one, it says, 
These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Each came with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Ishashar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The total number of Jacob's descendants was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph and all his brothers in all of that generation eventually died. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, look, the Israelites are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and lead the country. So that, that takes us all the way from, from one, 1 to 110. So we see that they went, they went to Egypt, and they started off with just 70 people. But if you look, but as we see, they, they rapidly multiplied, and the Egyptians, once that king, once that pharaoh was gone, forgot all about the works of Jake, the works of um, Joseph, and was just looked around like, hey, they supposed to be hanging out with us, but they got bigger than us. Hey, what's up with that? Now, if we don't be careful, if somebody comes to attack us, they're going to join with our enemies and take us down. So they got they got afraid and they got jealous. And as we see all through the Bible, when you start relying on emotional responses, that generally leads you down the path to doom. Would you agree, Cool Assist? Definitely agree with that. And um, I do want to share with everyone that I am um, utilizing the level, the Living Bible, the way. So um, you'll probably hear some variations as both Jack Morris and myself we read. And so, yeah, you know, there was this fear that was going on because, um, as we recall from Genesis, we had Joseph having a really favorable and good relationship with the Pharaoh at the time, with the king at that time. And now moving into Exodus, we have this new Pharaoh who's kind of scoping out the Hebrews and he's like saying, man, they just seem to really be multiplying. And, you know, there's this distrust, I would say, between the Egyptians and the um the Hebrews to a certain extent. And so Pharaoh is like, man, they're just multiplying. What if they get so big and then a war breaks out and they decide to be in a war against the Egyptians? So he, you know, his mind and his thoughts are running away from him. And he started thinking, what can we do to ensure that that doesn't happen? Right? Pretty much. And in fact, um, if we go back in Genesis, um, I was just reading here in my study in my study Bible. It actually speaks that God had already told Abraham that his people would be enslaved in another land. Interesting enough. Mm -hmm. um, I th what is it? Um, Genesis um, fifteen thirteen to fourteen, and he's. And he said, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed should be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. They shall inflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they serve will I judge. After, afterward, shall they come out with great substance. So that was a prophecy right there. 
Okay, so we're seeing how things are playing out from Genesis and going into um, going into Exodus. And so here's the plan. We have the Pharaoh saying, we're going to make slaves of the Hebrews. And I want you to, to pretty much as taskmasters, just make it really difficult for them. Like, I, I want you to work them so hard that they're just like worn out, right? So that's the plan. He wants to make the um, Hebrews into slaves, correct? Yeah, basically he wants them to slave so that they can't multiply as much as they did. It's like, well, if they work so hard and they don't have they have no energy, they won't be able to um, reproduce easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but 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 guess what? That's actually it's what he 15. said in verse ten. That's actually what he said in verse ten. So the when you get to verse twelve, they said, but the more they oppressed them, the more they multiply and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. Exactly. They, so what what Pharaoh is seeing is his little plan is backfiring. It wasn't the best late plan. It wasn't the best made plan because he thought he was going to wear the Hebrews out to the point where they're not going to have energy to do anything. So that's going to pretty much stop so many Hebrew babies from being born. And it did. his plan did not work out. It didn't work out at all. So this was plan A that we just discussed, right? So now he comes up with a plan B. Do you Are you familiar with that plan B? Oh, yeah. It talks about plan B in verse 15 of chapter 1. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shifra and the second whose name was Pua, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, assert them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. The midwives have a fear of God and not do as the king of Egypt told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, but they are vigorous and give birth for the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives. The people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. Now, here's interesting. Now, this is interesting. Think about it. Think about everything we know about how reproduction works, right? If you kill the, if you kill off most of the men, leave a few, the women are still going to be there, right? So you're still leaving the people who can actually have birth left in the culture. So think about just how bullheaded this plan was, because like. If you're smart, what? Ooh, if you throw away all the women, then you, you can eventually run everything out. But as long as because one man can fertilize a bunch of women, but but if you if you have a bunch if you only have one woman and a bunch of men, that's not going to work, right? Because w- women take nine months in order to have a baby, but a man can spread seed to hundreds of women is in nine in nine months. So just think about how silly his plan was. Well, I mean, I get what you're saying, but obviously there's a reason that he's trying to take the boys out. I mean, he the men out. But um, let me just say this. So just to reiterate what Jab just read, um, there was instruction given to kill all Hebrew boys as soon as they were born, but let the girls live. 
But because of the fear of God, the midwives, they did not listen to Pharaoh. They did not accept his instruction. And they let the girls and the boys live. And because they did that, um, God actually blessed them. So he blessed the midwives and he allowed them to have families and kids and to multiply. And also the people of Israel, they continued to multiply and they became this really mighty nation. So you want to talk about a backfire of a plan. That's that's what happened with plan B. So, um, <laughs> so here we have Pharaoh again. Plan A didn't work. Plan B didn't work. So now we're going to plan C. Are you familiar with that? Plan C, was, it says, I, I read, it must say, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. That's plan C. That's plan C right there. So um, we had strike one, strike two, and now we're on plan C. So <laughs> so what happened with plan C? All right. So we, we go to chapter two, and it says, now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when, he, when she, she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. They did that in order that the basket would float. Because, you know, um, if you just have papyrus, it's, it's just like a fiber. And if you put it in, in the water, it would just uh, fill it with water and sink. So then she placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister, um, whose name we know as Miriam, just hint, hint for later on, stood at a distance in order to see what would happen. So just so, talk about it. Like, don't read it. Just talk about it. Let's just talk about okay. it. So, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so Moses wasn't the only child of, of the women. The women had three children, as we were seeing. And Moses, I think, on, let's see. So let's look what we have here. All right, so it says this, um, just reading from my study Bible, it says this Levite woman hid her son for three months, trusting God over the power of Pharaoh's evil. Then she placed her son in the basket and hoped that in the providence of God, the body of water in which babies were being drowned would serve as a means of deliverance for her child. Think about that. So she used a body of water for deliverance for her child. I think that's something that we need to keep in the back of our mind as we read further in this story about this child named Moses. So let me tell you guys. Um, so, so here's what we're looking at. We have um, a Hebrew man and woman who ended up having, and they had children, but we're speaking specifically about this one child, this one son. And as it states in the Bible, this was a beautiful baby. And so mom, she kind of like hid him and took care of him for three months. And then she decided she was going to put him in. She made this little boat and, you know, she took it down by the river. And, and this is a place where uh, Pharaoh's daughters would come. You know, they would come there to bathe. And so she, her plan was very intentional. So she took this little baby in this little boat and, and put it out there by the river. And one of uh, the baby's sisters was just standing back watching to see what was going to happen, to see as things played out. And so sure enough, um, one of Pharaoh's daughters, a princess, she came to the river to bathe. And she, she was the one 
who discovered the baby, she sent one of her maids to go down there and bring the little boat to her. And when she had the boat there, she looked inside and she, she saw this baby and the baby was crying. And basically it touched her heart. She And she figured it out. She said, you know what? Um, this baby must have been left there by one of the Hebrew women. And she right away developed, developed some fondness for this little baby, this little crying baby. So enter the baby's sister. She comes out and she says, what? She comes on the scene and what does she say? What does she do? Okay, so then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and call the Hebrew woman who is nursing the nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me and I will pay you wages. So think about that. She put the baby out there based on faith, right? That mm -hmm. God was going to deliver him. And not only did, did the child get delivered, but they actually gained materially from the process. Isn't, Isn't that, that great? That's, mm -hmm. And that's, that's how God works because, you know, we're, you know, people who aren't quite there. They're not quite believers, right? They're, they're trying to figure out how is this going to work? How is this going to work? Are you the type of person where you have to see it to believe it? Because if you're that type of person um, where you have to see it to believe it, you may have a difficult time believing God in the way that we need to, because some things are just so miraculous that they're just not going to make sense. If anybody were to ever tell you, you're going to wonder like, oh my goodness, how is that going to happen, right? Exactly. Because a lot of things are miraculous that God does because God works as a spirit and not as, not as a flesh bag like we are. So, <laughs> yeah, so we a, just can't quite understand man. it. That's right. We we can't understand it. We don't have that same type of power as God. We don't have understanding that's going to take us there where we're like, okay, I get how that's going to work. We're not going to be able to do that with everything. The things that we're typically able to understand where there's some type of science, you know, that's that's man. That's where man is figuring this out and saying, and even we even have the arguments where you will hear people say one plus one equal two. And then you'll hear people say, no, that's not right. One plus one doesn't equal two because you can have one man and one um, woman and then they have a baby. So now one plus one equals three. So I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things where sometimes if you try to understand, you're just going to end up with a huge headache, right? Yep. Or you end up being the headache. <laughs> or you end up being a headache. Exactly, exactly. So there's this wonderful story of, um, well, so I guess we should uh, end up saying at this point that that little baby was Moses. So this is how Moses enters into the scene. And do you recall who gave Moses his name? Okay, so we'll just read it straight. We'll keep reading straight from the, where I stopped off here. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Yeah, and that's what, and Moses, the name Moses means to draw out. So she, and that's what they did back in, in those biblical days, right? When people were getting names, they, they really meant something, <laughs> like literally, right? 
Yeah, but you also have to think about just how, if you go back to Genesis, what was the du- one of the duties that um, God assigned to Adam? And that was the name okay. things. And when you name things, you become responsible for them. So you see who named him was Pharaoh's daughter because she became responsible for Moses. So that's why she named him and not, and not the mother. Yeah. So it's, it's really kind of wild how all of this played out. And um, so when we talk about Moses and just to kind of tie him into um, like in a descendant type of way, should we talk about we talked about Levi, right? And Levi was one of the twelve. He's one of the twelve uh, tribes of Israel, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. So Levi was the son of I want to say it was Jacob and Leah. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So Moses is actually very closely related to Levi because. His parents, his mom and dad, were from that Levi tribe. Still there? Uh-oh. Are you still there? Are you still there? Hi. It looks like we have a listener. Can you hear me okay? Can you... Go ahead and clap if if you can hear me okay. It looks like we're having some connection issues. If you guys can still hear me, um, whoever's here, can you just give me some type of sign? Jab Morris, are you still there? It looks like you're muted. Yeah, a call came in, and once it does that, it sort of sticks you, so you can't you can't even move in, in left or right. So. Okay. <laughs> Okay, no worries, no worries. So we're still here, we're together. So we were just explaining that Levi was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so now we're looking at a man and a woman who are from the Levi tribe. They're the ones who ended up being the parents of Moses. So we're seeing how things play out coming from Jacob and then moving forward throughout um, Exodus. So so let's kind of talk about what happened um, as Moses grew older, when he got a little older, let's talk about what, what ended up happening there in Egypt. All right. So years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw Egyptians striking the Hebrew, one of his people. Looking around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the scene. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one in the room, why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you commander and judge over us? The man replied. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses so, fled from Pharaoh. So let's, and just to, point, let's point out some things here. So what you're saying is that, so one day Moses saw an Egyptian who was having an altercation with the Hebrew. And so then Moses killed that Egyptian. And Moses, at this point, he didn't know if anybody saw him. So he's thinking maybe he did this and and, and nobody witnessed it. 
So then he ends up witnessing two Hebrews that are going at it, two Hebrews that are fighting. He's trying to figure out, like, what are you doing? What are you doing hitting your own Hebrew brother like that? And so they're just kind of looking at Moses and they're saying, oh, okay. So do you think that um, you're going to get away with killing us like you did that Egyptian yesterday? And so Moses is like, wow, busted. Somebody actually saw me do that. So this is when he became fearful, correct? Oh, yeah. And he was like, man, some everybody know. He said, what I, what I did is certainly known. And then his, his adopted, his adopted um, I would say his adopted um, grandfather heard about this. And he was like, well, you know what? Let's get rid of you for doing what you did. Um, and Moses like, nah, let me get up out of here. <laughs> so for that, he ended up fleeing to Midian, which was a land outside of Egypt. So yeah. he was like, well, I had to get out of here. Otherwise, you know, as long as I stayed in Egypt, I was going to get killed. And that's yeah. exactly what was going on. He just, he slipped Pharaoh, he slipped Pharaoh real quick and he fled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so so how did so, his, how did his life play out in in his new environment? Well, we can see right here it says, "Okay, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to where live in the you? land of Midian, and where sat down by a well." Where are you in the Bible? Where are you? Reading oh, I'm it? still in chapter two. I, okay. I I'm re I'm, re I'm still reading because remember, from the time that they immediately jumped from when he dropped out the water to when he became a, an adult. In the same yeah, chapter. For anyone who's listening, just try to reference from time to time just so in case people want to follow along. Yeah, so we're still in chapter two, and this is we're at verse nine, verse um sixteen. Mm -hmm. Now it said, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away. But Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, father Ryu, he asked, why have you come back so quickly? Today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and walked the flock. So where is he? He asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to eat dinner. So um, verse 21 in the second chapter, Moses agreed to stay with the man. And he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to him a son whom he named Gershom. For he said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. Yeah, so this this is a period, again, where Moses, he had to escape. He had to escape because he knew that it was known that he killed an Egyptian. So he feared for his life. So he found a new home and... When I say he found a new home, he really did because he was kind and he and he was helpful. Um, he was invited into um, you know Rose's home, and that's when, just like Jab said, he ended up um, having a wife for him a child. And so Moses is kind of hanging out, and so years at this point have gone by. And it's learned that uh, the king of Egypt had died. So that king that Moses was fearing, he's now dead as we move into um, chapter three, right? 
Yeah, yeah. You basically just summed up the last two verses uh-huh. of um of chapter two. Mm-hmm. So you basically you you look at it. You can also you can almost say that Moses had his own mini exodus as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because but he had he- to leave Egypt and go to the land of the Midianites to get mm-hmm. his own personal deliverance. Yeah, interesting enough. So you you'll see that in the Bible you'll see like well, a concept comes in that there'll be layers upon the concept. So we see here that while the book is named Exodus, it's, all, it's more than one Exodus in it. You can say there was an Exodus of Moses from his own people into, into the, becoming an Egyptian prince, and then an Exodus for him out of Egypt to the, Midian, to um, the area of Midian to escape, escape the problems that he had in Egypt from killing the Egyptian. Mm-hmm. So, and then yeah, you're going to see that this is going to keep going on. We'll see that concept going further and further as we go through the book further. Yeah, but I, I really do, before we, we tackle, um, you know, going into chapter three, I really do want to just go to the, the ending um, verses here in chapter two. Several years later, the king of Egypt died. The Israelis were groaning beneath their burdens in deep trouble because of their slavery and weeping bitterly before the Lord. He heard their cries from heaven and remembered his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring their descendants back into the land of Canaan. Looking down upon them, he knew that the time had come for their rescue. So we're at a point now where the king is dead you know, we have uh, the Hebrews, they're just, they're, they're in a bad way. They're in bad shape and they're crying to the Lord. Something needs to happen because this slavery is just really beating them down. So now we're moving into chapter three. And, and where do we pick up in chapter three? All right. So let's start off at the top. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock back to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at the mark of sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, he answered. God said, do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. All right. So think about that. So in in the midst of him just doing his thing, the Lord Lord remembering his promise to to the Israelites, the Hebrews. So he prepares Moses to do the job that he wants them to do. All right. So just reading from my um from, from my study Bible, just reading three one, it says, by now, Moses was 80, working for his father-in-law. He had likely come to accept this as his lot, but things changed dramatically at Horeb, another name for Mount Sinai. Here God will soon enter into a covenant with the nation of Israel. Moses saw that the bush was on fire but not consume. Such a contradictory and marvel was like um, was brought up in um, 
cross-reference, or oh, it brought, brings to mind the Lord's words, oh, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. That's back in Isaiah. Moses' ordinary day was about to be invaded by God's extraordinary plan. So what's your thoughts on um, Coolisis? Yeah, so basically, um, here's how I see it. Like you said, Moses was just out kind of just, you know, doing his thing, tending to the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, and he heard from God. You know, he first saw that there was this um, flame of fire in a bush, and he wanted to go and check it out, and that's when he heard from God. God was calling out his name, and so this is his first time hearing from God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Moses, so Moses, he's asking, you know, Moses is asking, who is it? And so just like you said, God's like, hey, don't come any closer, closer, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, and, you know, he, he introduces himself, I am the, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, Moses, at this point, he was kind of afraid. He was afraid to look at God, you know, and, and the Lord just started speaking to him saying, hey, I've seen the deep sorrows of my people in Egypt, and I've heard their pleas for freedom, and that they have these very harsh taskmakers, and I have to deliver. I have to deliver them from the Egyptians and take them out of Egypt. So, so God is pretty much letting Moses know what his intentions are and how and what his plans are and how Moses is going to be a part of these plans, right? Correct. So, yeah, you, you pretty much covered um, verses um, six and seven. So I'm going to pick up it. Well, I'm going to read verse seven and say then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and I heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, the Hephites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me and I have also seen the way that Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So as we see here, Moses is like, out of all people, you come to me, God? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm saying I'm I'm a nobody. So that sort of makes Moses really perplexed because he doesn't he doesn't quite see his purpose yet. Yeah, so, Moses feels that he he's like, I'm not the person for this job. He's feeling like I, I think you've chosen the wrong person. You're expecting me to lead your people out of Egypt. Like I, I just don't think that this is something that I can do. So um, Mervis, uh, Moses, he's not very ha happy. He's, I would say he's not very confident is what he wasn't. He wasn't very confident in uh, what the Lord was telling him he needed him to do. No, he was not. Um, just went from my study Bible. Moses may have thought that his life was nearly over as he passed time with the, the sheep as an octogenarian. 
But just as the Lord had given Moses 40 years of uptown training in Egypt, he provided 40 40 years of downtown training in the wilderness. That's what's necessary to get the shepherd ready to lead the sheep of Israel. So he had to see, he had to see it both ways. So he, he had to spend his time in Egypt in order to, to understand how the Egyptians work, but he had to spend his time out in the desert so that he can lead God's people through the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so now we're at a point where, you know, the Lord is telling him that I need you to go, right? I need you to go to the people of Israel and tell them that their father's God has sent you. And Moses is like, well, wait, 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 which, like, what God should I tell him sent me? <laughs> right? So, are you with me? Oh, yes, I'm with you. All right. So, so then, so, so then God replied to Moses. He said, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to your say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to remember in every generation. So um you look through my study Bible to these verses of um, 14, 14 and 15 and you um, you see what's going on. It says, I am is the English translation of the first person singular Hebrew verb meaning to be. By describing himself this way, God was affirming that he is the personal, eternal, self-existing, and self-sufficient creator and sustainer of all. Many claim to believe in a generic quote-unquote God. But Moses was to tell the Israelites that he had been sent by the one true God the Lord. He alone is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the father of our Lord Jesus. He is responsible for all that exists, and he sovereignly directs all things to accomplish his purposes. Through the world is ever-changing, he is. When we come across this verse, this is just we, we get to understand the power of God's name. That I, I am makes it makes him basically as the only thing in the universe that can point to itself point to itself without another frame of reference so he's the self-sufficient self-existing almighty all doing and all-powerful god because he he was the creator of all no other thing no other person no other entity can say that they are what our God says he is. Yeah, so so now Moses knows, just go. You're going to tell him that I, I am sent you. And I need you to go to your elders of Israel. Let them know what happened here at the bush, the burning bush. And let them know what I said to you. And um, so so th- this, is, this is how it's going to go down pretty much. <laughs> Yep. And, and like you said, he said he, he, he wants he wants Moses mm-hmm. to be clear that he is being sent to rescue them. So all the cries, the things that they were weeping about, um 
I am is saying, go and let them know that I heard them. I'm talking to you. And I've sent you with a plan to get them out of Egypt and get them into a better situation. I need you to go and have this conversation with the uh, with the elders of the people of Israel. Exactly. And like, and like verse 17 says, and I have promised you that I will bring that I bring you up from the misery Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here he goes to talk about the land of flowing with milk and honey again. And they will listen to what you say. Then you, along with the elders of Israel, must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so we may sacrifice the Lord our God. However, I will, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go, even under force from a strong hand. But when I stretch out my hand and strike Israel, I mean Egypt, with all my miracles that I perform in, after that he will let you go. And I will give these people such favor with Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman will ask her neighbor, and any woman standing in her house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing, and you put them on your sons and daughters. So you will plunder the Egyptians. So think about that. They are slaves in, in Egypt, but the great I am has said, not only will I lead you to freedom, but I ain't going to let you leave it empty-handed. While you were slaves before you left, you're going to be adorned like kings and queens with their garments and their gold and their silver. So just think about how great that is, that he's going to take them from a point of powerlessness to a point of great favor. Yeah, so, you know, it's like I am is speaking to Moses and telling him how to approach the elders of Israel and let them know you're going to move into a situation where pretty much you're going from, you know, being impoverished to having jewels and things are just going to be amazing. But with all of this being said, I am is telling Moses, the Lord is telling Moses, but here's the thing. I know that the king isn't going to be thrilled about this and it's not going to be easy for him to allow you guys to go. Yeah. So he knew he was going to have to do some great things in order to show proof. In fact, not only we have to do great things to show fit, show the um, king of Egypt, he would have to do some great things before his people to believe that he would, he would be sent, which sets us up for chapter four. So yeah. verse one says, Moses answered, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied, throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued. So they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said unto him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembled snow, which is leprosy. And then he said, put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. When he put his hand back inside his cloak, he took it out again. It began becoming like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, 
they may believe the evidence the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. So God and his ever, and his ever understanding wisdom understands that people don't like to believe in the thing. Just like, you know, the old saying is, I'm from Missouri and you got to show me. He, even back then, people were still the same way. You had to show somebody that you really were the person that you was talking about. So God gave him some little miracles to do so that people would start to believe him. One was the uh, turning the staff into a state. The second was the him taking his hand, sticking inside his cloak, and it came out lep lep like, like he had leprosy. But when he stick it back in his coat, then his, his hand will become like regular flesh. And they didn't believe the things that Moses did with his hand to take water out of Nile and throw it on the ground and they'll turn into blood. So he left them with three miracles. And we know um, in um, well, let me the study to... of the Bible that three is is um, a number of complete, the completeness, like a, a circle. Yeah. So I, I want to jump back in because you mentioned something really important a little bit earlier. So Moses... Like I said, these tasks that he's been given, they're no easy tasks. So he's hearing what the Lord is saying, but he has two very tough audience audiences that he's going to have to approach. So first it's going to be, you know, his own people, the elders of Israel, and he's going to have to convince them to, to go and worship with him for three days in the wilderness. And uh, to your point, he's expecting that these people are going to ask him, like, how do we know that you heard from the Lord and he told you, you heard from God and he told you to take us? Like, he he, he just said, you know, I, I don't think they're going to believe me. And so that's why, to your point, God has said, okay, let me give you some things. Let me put some tools in your toolbox here. So when you go to them, you should be able to deliver a very convincing speech to them and and if they don't believe you when you just tell them then here are the three things such as what you just described so after the lord equips moses to go and have this conversation with the elders moses then says lord please just just send someone else can't you send someone else and he was seriously making the lord angry because there's all this resistance coming from Moses. And if we think back and look back to the relationship that Joseph had with the Lord, Joseph was just really obedient. He's just, you know, he had no problem, you know, listening to the Lord, going to the Lord. But Moses, on the other hand, there's a lot of resistance coming from him. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the resistance is pretty great. So, like you said, the Lord got real mad at Moses. Uh, here in, um, in um, chapter 4, verse 14. And the Lord anger burnt against Moses. He said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him, and you will tell him what to say. I will help both you and him to speak, and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you as you will serve as God to him and take this staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. So 
what I thought, and I actually kind of laughed when I was reading it because Moses, he's just so trying to get out of this. He even goes to the point of saying, I have a speech impediment. It was what's funny is that you had the Lord saying, uh, well, who makes mouths? Like he's saying to, to you, okay, <laughs> you're saying you have this speech impediment, but am I not the one that made you? Do you think I'm not aware? Do you think I'm giving you a job that I think you can't do? I just thought that was so funny when I was reading that. Did you get yeah, it? It goes back. Yeah, it, it, it goes back to, yeah, but it goes back to what, what we often say that the Lord won't give you anything you can't bear. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. people, yeah. So he always going to equip you with something. He, he was being so patient with Moses. I felt, I mean, even though he became angry, he's still trying to let him know it's okay. And so as Moses is trying to wiggle his way out of this assignment, that's when the Lord's like, okay, you, you have Aaron. Aaron, he's a good speaker. So I'm going to team you up like Batman and Robin. And basically, I'm going to talk to you and you're going to take on my role and talk to Aaron and let him be the one to go and present. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, because he was afraid to speak to the to the people in general because they didn't even know him anymore. Remember, he was yeah. gone for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So a lot mm-hmm. of people didn't even know who he was. So mm-hmm. now he don't. He don't cry. He don't cry. He don't cry. Like, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, all right, all right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your brother. I'm going to give him some of your tasks so that you won't have to be do all the talking. Mm-hmm. So, But you still going to have to talk to him and pass the word along to him. Right. So that he can understand what's, going, what's up. Yeah. So after... Moses had this conversation with God and it seemed as if they were kind of like on the same page. We're going to involve Aaron in this. And Moses then went home and he, and he talked it over with his, with his father-in-law Jethro. And he asked for his permission. He says, you know, Hey, I'd like to go back to Egypt and visit my relatives. I don't even know whether they're still alive. And Jethro was like, cool. You have my blessing. Go with my blessing. And so now we're on our way. <laughs> yep. We're on our way. Yeah. And and we do know at this point, Jethro is um, saying, hey, go with my blessing. And before Moses left Midian, Je- Jehovah, so God says to him, and don't be, don't be afraid to return to Egypt because all of those who wanted to kill you, they're now dead. Yep. They are now dead. So um, we're now at four and I want to say uh, at about verse 20. 20. Yeah, you just did. You just walked over um, yeah, to 19. So 20 says, so Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took God's staff in his hand. The Lord instructed Moses, when you go back to Egypt, make sure you do before fear all the ones that I have put in your within your power. But I will harden his heart so that he won't let the people go. And you say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go. Look, I'm about to kill your firstborn son. On the trip at an overnight campsite, it happened that the Lord confronted him and intended to 
in the death. So Zipporah took a flint, cut off her son's foreskin, threw wait, it wait, at Moses. Wait, 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 wait. Because I, I don't want to just kind of like gloss over these because I thought, like, I want to kind of unpack this a little bit. Um, because I found um, verse 20 to be, yeah, let's talk about this a little bit more, okay? So we're saying that Jehovah or God told him, when you arrive back in Egypt, you are to go to Pharaoh and do the miracles I have shown you, but I will make him stubborn so that he will not let the people go. So let's talk about that a little bit. So why do you think that Jehovah is saying he's going to make him stubborn so he, you know, he won't want the people to go? Why do you think that that was intentional? Okay, so... From my study, Bible, it talks about um, um, 421. God said that he would harden Pharaoh's heart so that he wouldn't let the people go. Throughout this book, however, we'll see that God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart until Pharaoh first hardened himself. When Pharaoh repeat, refused to listen, God told him in a sense, have your way. He used Pharaoh's rebellion to achieve his kingdom purpose. Hmm. And now we're going to the title of our show. So now we see how God works. When you decide to um, to disregard the word of God, he's going to leave you to your own devices and let you walk straight into your own doom. Now, we, we see this principle from time to time in the Bible. When people don't listen, he, let, he, he say, okay, and let them go to their own devices, and those own devices leads, leads to the ruins every single time so here's where i am with this and you know um let me just check to see who's on with us so self is on so self maybe you could come on and bring some um insight into this too so i'm going back to where um jehovah is saying i'm going to make him stubborn meaning the pharaoh so that he will not let the people go so when i was reading that I was wondering if it was because God wanted to make his powers really known. Is that why he said he was going to make him stubborn so that he can, you know, prove some things to him? Um, so I'm just well, trying you to unpack that a little bit. Okay, so here's how you unpack that. You have to understand that God... It, already knew what was going to happen. Remember, he's not like us. He doesn't exist in time. So he already knows what's going to happen. But he knew that Pharaoh wasn't going to let the people go. So what he basically said is, okay, Pharaoh, since you don't want to listen, I'm, I'm going to let you listen to yourself. When he hardened his heart, he means basically like he didn't allow him to listen to the good sense that Moses was trying to give him. So instead, he decided to rely on his own understanding. And that's how his heart became hardened. Because we know that if we don't listen to what God says, our own hearts become hardened. Can you ever think of a point in your life where you where you, you decide to lean on your own understanding and that you notice that you just kept going in a cycle, going down the drain, you just keep going down and down and down until you, at some point you have to wake up and be like, hold on, I can't keep doing things my way. I have to start doing things God's way. Yeah, I probably have to, um, you know, pray on this and, and do some more research because I understand everything that you're saying, but just 
reading this very literally, but I will make him stubborn. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, we could we could keep it moving, and I'll explore that a little bit more some sometime later. So, yeah. so now we we're at the point where um, he said this, and um, you know, he's saying Israel is my eldest son, and I have commanded you to let him go away and worship me, but you have refused. And now, see, I will slay your eldest son. So th this is like the um, discussion that uh, Jehovah is having with um, Moses. So Moses and his family, they're traveling along and they stop for the night. And this is another part, too, that gets to me. Jehovah appeared to Moses and threatened to kill him. So are you familiar? I, I know you're going to say, let me see what my uh, study Bible says. So why is it that? Jehovah threatened to kill Moses at this point. Oh, very simple. In the study Bible, it was explained exactly. It says, why was God ready to execute the one who had chosen to deliver his people? Moses' wife's actions, which at first seemed bizarre, provide the answer. As the descendant of Abraham, Moses was to circumcise his son. He, however, had failed to lead his family and demonstrate his commitment to God's covenant. Moses was to serve as God's representative to lead God's firstborn son, that is the Israelite, to worship him, but he had even fulfilled his basic obligation. Fathers, the Lord calls on us to lead our families to follow in Christ. Wiser to help, but God has laid the opportunity at our feet. Since Moses had been negligent, the poor circumcised their son and deflected God's judgment, thus saving her husband's life. This is just that many a life is saved by as godly mothers obey the Lord when their husbands fail to do so. Wow. I was trying to understand the timeliness of that because he he's chosen Moses. Moses is, you know, on his way to follow the instructions of the Lord, and then the Lord stops him and you know he's threatening to kill him. So I was just trying to to understand that because prior to getting to this point, I didn't see where it was explained, like, how, how would I come to the conclusion that that's why God was threatening to kill him? Mm -hmm. But now we see that when she, when she circumcised him, so she, apparently Moses did tell him about, told Zipporah about his history, because we know that all the way back to Abraham, that God had gave Abraham the command to circumcise himself and all the members of his camp. So, but as, as the, my study Bible says, he had slipped. He had slipped and forgot to do that. So, in the process of not doing it, I'm assuming during this travel at this overnight campsite that he had probably stepped on the holy ground again and had his uncircumcised son on holy ground, and okay. that was and the violation. And she, but isn't it something how his wife Zipporah she knew, she knew what to yeah, do. So, so he had taught her. <laughs> But he didn't follow his own commands to teach him, mm -hmm. which might be a little foreshadowing a little bit later. Because we have to remember, Moses was not a perfect man. He, as we see, he made a, he he was going to make a lot of mistakes, mm -hmm. and some we'll mention tonight, and some we'll mention at a later date. But he was far from perfect. Yeah. So we we got we got past that. We got past uh, <laughs> the Lord wanting to to murder or kill Moses at this point. So at, at the point that his wife did what she did, God let him alone. And now 
we have Je Jehovah and he's saying to uh, Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. He's telling him to go into the wilderness to meet his brother. And Aaron traveled. He um, traveled to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, and he met Moses there. And, you know, they had a warm greeting for each other. And Moses told Aaron what God said they needed to do, what they must do, and what they were to say. And he told um, Aaron also about the miracles they needed to do before Pharaoh. So now uh, Moses has brought Aaron up to speed. And uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it pretty much goes back to verse six. Verse 16, he said, he would speak to the people for you. He would serve as a mouth for you, and you would serve as God to him. So he was basically God's representative to Aaron. So Aaron dealt with the people, while Moses ended up dealing with more of, of Pharaoh. Yeah, so we're at chapter 4. We're at verse 29 now, and we have Moses and Aaron, and they're returning to Egypt at this point, and they're summoning the elders um, of the, the people of Israel they need to have this council meeting, if you would. And Aaron, so he's being that spoke person. And he told them what Jehovah said, what, uh, Je well, actually what Je Jehovah had said to Moses. And then Moses ended up performing the miracles as they watched. So obviously um, they weren't on board right from the start. Uh, Moses had to go ahead and reach into that toolbox and, and take care of those miracles, right? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, if you read verse 30, 30 carefully, it says Aaron repeated everything the Lord had said to Moses and performed the signs. So he actually performed the signs. So basically everything that God had taught Moses, Moses taught Aaron. Well, Moses performed the miracles. Aaron was the one that was telling them what was going on. And it was Moses who performed the miracles as they watched. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. that puts us at, at chapter five. Now. So now it's time to get to get the party started. Now we we don't have the four in there. Wait, you're you're already at five, but I want to just be clear in saying, um, yeah, they Moses had to perform the miracles, but after he did perform those uh, miracles, the elders believed him. They believed yeah. that God had sent sent both he and Aaron. And um, so they were at this point, they rejoiced because, again, keep in mind the news that Aaron brought to them. He's saying to them, we're going to get you out of this really bad situation. You're going to the land of milk and honey. You're going to have these riches, these jewels. So once they realized that what Aaron said and these miracles that Moses was performing, that these things were because of God, they were happy and they bowed their heads and they worshiped. They were they were on board for this. And that's where we're moving into chapter five. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you did come back and slow me down on that because we have to remember that we have to worship God at the point that he gives us the promise, not at the point that he fulfills the promise. A lot Absolutely. of times we think we're supposed to wait till we get it before we worship God. No, we worship God because he gave us the promise. You know what I'm I think that's a, that's, that's a, that's a very that's a important thing. principle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into five at this point. All right. So now it's time to get the party started. Like I said a few minutes ago, Moses confronts Pharaoh. 
So later, Moses and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said, let my people go so they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh responded, who is the Lord that I, I should obey him by letting Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. They answered, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, or else he may strike us with plague or sword. And the king of Israel, Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you causing the people to neglect their work? Get, your, get to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look at the people of the land are so numerous, and you will stop them from their labor. So as we see, we see in this old stubborn Pharaoh. So Wait, wait, wait. Let me nope. just say this. Not we're, we're, We are witnessing how stubborn Pharaoh is at this point. But another thing that I want to really emphasize, we have gone from the point of having um, the people rejoicing and worshiping to now we have Pharaoh like, who do you think you are distracting the people from doing their work? You know what? Everybody needs to get back to their job. And Pharaoh, because he was just so displeased with the people being distracted from their work and the things that Aaron and Moses had to say, he told his taskmasters and um, the officers that he had over the people, you know, over the slaves, you know what? Don't make things easy for the for the slaves. I want you to do, <laughs> I want you to make their jobs more complex. And that was the instruction that he gave. And so now, how do you think those same people who were just rejoicing and worshiping, how do you think they felt? All right, so the part that you're talking about, it covers the quite a few verses. Mm -hmm. So we see, so um, when you get through that part, so it talks about them, you know, you have to get your own straw mm -hmm. instead of doing, but you still have to do the same amount. And then, so we go to verse 14 and said, then the Israelites, foremen, who Pharaoh's slave drivers had set over the people, were beating their ass. Why haven't you finished making your prescribed number of bricks yesterday or today as you did before? So the Israelite foremen went in and cried for help to Pharaoh. Why are you treating your service this way? No straw has been given to your servants, yet you say, make bricks. Look, your servants are being beaten, but this is how your own people who are at fault. But he said, you are slackers. Slackers. That's what you. That's why you're saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. No straw be given to you, but you will produce the same quantity of bricks. The Israelite foremen saw that they were in trouble when they were told, you cannot reduce your daily quality of bricks. When they left Pharaoh, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who stood waiting to meet them. Wait, 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 wait. Because I know you, you're just going to read through. And I'm, I'm kind of that person. I'm somewhat of a storyteller. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about these guys. They're going to Pharaoh, and they're pleading. And they're kind of like in front of Pharaoh, like, hey, this really wasn't our fault. We were just doing what we were told to do. And now you're making our jobs so much difficult. You still want us to have that same type of productivity, but you are making things more difficult for us. Like, can't we just kind of go back to the way things were? Pharaoh's like, man, get out of here. You just need to go and, and, and meet this productivity. So think about the foreman. They're leaving Pharaoh. 
they're not happy and they come across Moses and Aaron. Right? Yeah. In fact, they in fact they got actually got beaten for 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 what they did or not did. So they they of course they come across vets, but before we go any further, let's um catch up with these two messages, okay? Okay, because I don't see messages, so please stay on top of them. They're not showing up for me for some reason. Are you guys hearing the leadership principles and the stuff that you're speaking right now? Like the the whole business consciousness and um, wow, wow. <laughs> As you guys are speaking, I'm just kind of hearing the team concept. I'm hearing um, kind of almost like a startup, the level of power and the consciousness that you guys are speaking through the truthiness of the word that you're, ex wow, this is some good stuff. Isn't wow. it? I know, Visionaire, that's how I feel. And so just so you know a little bit about this, um, and you can certainly go back and check out the recordings because we covered Genesis too. And it was so good. Like I've just, I'm reacclimating myself to the Bible. And so as I read through, I'm inviting some of my Christian friends to jump on stereo with me so we can do a little Bible study because people will say that the Bible is really, it's a very challenging read. And, and, and I'm one of those people. So I went through different um, translations. So there was the, um, different versions. So there's a King James version. I tried that and it was a tough read for me. And I, I tried reading through the Bible app, like the, uh, I think it was the English standard version. And then I remembered when I was in, um, I was a pre-teenager and I went to this Bible camp. And while we were at camp, they gave us the living Bible and it's called The Way. So I said, man, I kind of remember liking that way Bible. I didn't read it, but I remember that it was there was something about it. So I reached out to my mom and I said, hey, do you have that Bible from the 70s? And, and she didn't have it. <laughs> she didn't have it. So I went online and I, I, I found a used copy to make a long story short. So I prayed and I said, okay, God, I really want to learn your word. I want to understand it. I started reading the way and I, I expected Genesis to be a little bit complex because you have all of the begats in there. So it's showing you how the, the nations are created and it's talking about the descendants and all of that in Genesis plays out throughout the other books of the Bible. And in reading the way, I was actually absorbing this and just getting really excited. So when we jumped on here, it was myself and Zeno who um, did Genesis. We covered Genesis. And I'm reading through this and I said, man, people want to talk about reality shows. They want to talk about some of these um, novels that are out there. The Bible, there's nothing out there that can, can beat the Bible. So it's all like how you break it down and you take it in bite-sized pieces and you really think about it. It's, it's so interesting. And not only is the Bible like the word, the word of God, it's a manual. It's a manual for us to live by. I'm sorry, like when he said that, Jeff, when, when he when you played that message, it just really resonated with me. What are your thoughts about what Visionaire said? Oh, I got two more for him though. So let, let's pop them two and then I'll respond afterwards, okay? Sure. And just who do you think you are? You know, when you came in with your little charades, I, I really didn't care. 
<laughs> but at the point you began to affect my economy, you're affecting the economy. Get them out of here. The longer you stay here, the more problems. <laughs> Where's the one you call Josephus? Uh, uh, Josephus, come, uh, come, come, come. Uh, I need you to talk to the foreman and tell him uh, why production has slowed down. Uh, uh, Monsieur uh, Foreman. You promised me a certain number of bricks, and I want those bricks, and I don't want to hear any excuses. <sighs> you want to worship your God? Then maybe your God will supply your straw. <laughs> That was awesome. Show up for every every single time we're on here. Can you please show up and do that? That was awesome. Now, now you make me want to do voiceover stuff because I, I I'm a man of a thousand voices too. Oh really? Oh, so you should read it like so that. Not, so so yeah, I'm have to read some quote quotations like that. And so, Virginia, thank you. Thank you for that. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it, when he came up to you, he came up to me as Lonnie. Oh, your vision there. Lonnie Holly is his name. Mm -hmm. So, in case yeah. you want. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that puts us back at, um, yeah, I think with, the, with, the, with that little comedy part, it actually explained perfectly what was going on. Cause like that Pharaoh was like, saying, like that was drama. That was drama, but it, it, comedy and drama, hey, it, it all works together. It takes <laughs> if you look if you look at through the Greek point of view, all of that stuff works together. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Okay, so we're at so six? Uh, yeah. So um, we're still in you know we're still in chapter five, but I, okay. I just want to go based on what he said is like that's how Pharaoh thinking like, oh yeah. look at these guys. Yeah, these uh, Israelites, they over here thinking they're going to have things easy. And, oh, because they think they got so easy, they want to run out there into the wilderness. Nah, we ain't going out. We ain't letting jokers out there in the wilderness. We going to keep them right here. And you know what? Since they got so much time to want to pray and worship, you know what? I'm going to make their life more difficult. I'm make them work a little harder for it. Maybe then they'll stop all that moaning and groaning. Which, of course, we know never works out in real life because when you uh, people are already oppressed and you decide to oppress them further you don't slow down the moaning and groaning you increase it and we know according to god and now you start to see what what he was talking about with pharaoh now mm -hmm. god had even, moses and aaron had only been to pharaoh once as you see he hardened his own heart by himself you don't see what god, god hardened his heart even so God was trying to give him a chance. Mm -hmm. Even though he knew what he was going to do, he tried to give him a chance. Like, maybe he'll be a little softer, and I won't have to do all these evil things to him. But listen, he didn't want to listen. Let me tell you this, too. After, um, and, and after <laughs> the foreman saw that they were in a bad situation, and they met up with Moses and Aaron, and uh, they said, hey, May God judge you for making us stink before the Pharaoh and his people. And they said, um, basically, they felt that 
Moses and Aaron put them in a position where Pharaoh would want to kill them. So now Moses is like, I need to go back to the Lord and, 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 and let them know what's going on here as if the Lord didn't know. Right. But again, this is all part of the Lord's plan. And Moses, actually, if you think about it, he sort of forgot if you look at it. But before I get further, let me play this other message by uh, Lonnie Holly. And God hardened Pharaoh's hearts. And what is so peculiar about this is many people believe that is God's fault that Pharaoh did the things that he did. What they did not understand is that the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. So it was not necessarily that God did anything except be who he was. And Pharaoh, with a heart of clay, it seems, was much like the bricks. And as God just simply shown his love and grace, Pharaoh's heart became harder and harder. <laughs> Absolutely. You laughing, but he actually is telling you the truth. No, I get He's it. He's 100% true. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm just looking at how we're, we're progressing here. And it's, you know, we didn't expect this, but hey, I prayed to, I should have expected it because I prayed to God, I kid you not, and I said, please make this compelling and engaging and, and, and let people really get something productive out of this. And when I said compelling, I had no idea and engaging. I had no idea that visionary was going to show up just as he did. So that, that's pretty awesome. And I, I know, again, with your time, uh, so we're at 825, and I think you said you're going to give us until like 9. So I know we want to get yeah, through... Get through 11. So at least to 11, yes, at least to yeah. 11. So okay. now we're at six. Mm -hmm. But the Lord replied to Moses, now you will see what I would do to Pharaoh. Because of a strong hand, he would let them go. And because of a strong hand, he would drive them from his land. Then God spoke to Moses, telling him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But I was not known to them by my name, the Lord which we know in the Bible is often translated as the, the, tetragram the tetragrammaton, which basically means I am what I am, which we spoke about a little earlier. I also established my covenant with them to give them the lands of Canaan, the land that they lived in as aliens. Furthermore, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites when the Egyptians are forced to work as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from the slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will okay. bring you to the land that I swore to give okay. to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give you as possession. Okay. I am the so, Lord. So, so let's do this. Um, and again, please, 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 please check out the messages because they're not on my end. So I, I want to make sure where you are because you're reading from a different Bible. But just to kind of paraphrase and, and kind of keep it going so we get through all of our chapters here. So we're at the point we were at the point where Moses went back to the Lord and said, hey, you know what? 
we did what you said. Why did you have us do this? Because now what's going on is they're being, our people are being treated more brutally than they were before. So it's like the situation hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. So, you know, the Lord is speaking to Moses and he's telling him, okay, I, I, I feel you. I get what you're saying. I, I know where you're coming from, but I need you to go back again to Pharaoh and tell him he must let my people go. Let the people of Israel go. And once again, Moses is objecting. There's some resistance. He's saying, my own people won't even listen to me after what just happened is what he's saying. They're not going to listen to me anymore. And now you're expecting me to go back to Pharaoh and tell him that he must let the people go. And so he pulls that thing again where he's saying, I'm no, you know, I'm no speaker. I, I'm not the one for this. I cannot go to, to Pharaoh and tell him anything. So we have the Lord and he's ordering Moses and Aaron to return to the people of Israel and to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and demand that the people be permitted to leave. So that's kind of like where we are. Moses has gone back to the Lord. He's had this conversation. The Lord's not budging. He said, basically, in the, you know, to quote Nene Leakes, I said what I said. So he's telling him, look, you need to go back, right? So I yeah. just brought that, us that's, to that's, Yeah, that brings us to verse nine, like you said. And, and, but he said Moses didn't want to go back towards the Israelites, like you said. But God said, no, you're going to do what I told you. Exactly what I told you. So then after that, it goes into the genealogy of uh, Moses and Aaron. It breaks down, how did you get to... So it actually gives you the names of, of, their, um, of their parents at this point. So in yeah. verse 20, it says, Amron married his father's sister, Jochebed, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. So that's... Now you get to hear Mo Moses' parents. Amron was his father. And Jochebed was his uh, mother. So now we know I them. They were mentioned. Wait a minute. About they, those they... two. Wait, wait, wait. About mm -hmm. those two. I had a fun fact I want to say because I think that uh, his parents, uh, his dad married his father's sister. Just because you mentioned, you know, you did that little genealogy there. I wanted to say that. So as far as Moses and Aaron's parents are concerned, their dad actually married their father, um, his father's sister. So, <laughs> yeah. He married his own aunt, in other words. So he married his own aunt. But we know back in exactly. those days, exactly. and, even, and even in the in lineage of, room, of, of royalty, they always kept it in the family. Yeah, it was common. So, because we like, just... we, yes, because we, we remember that from Genesis where yeah. it happened a lot with, with Isaac and, and with Jacob, they, they went back to marry their own people. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So it's just it's just something like when you read this, because, you know, we, we, we talk about incest these days. And, and when you go back to these biblical days, this was just very common. Yeah, it was. But that was a different time. So we have to understand that that's not something that, that's common. All right. So let me pop these messages because that pretty much takes us. I, I, I speak the last two verses of, of um, chapter 6 and then we'll move on to chapter 7 after we pop these messages what's happening I've literally just tuned in um, I um, I was saved December last year and nice. given my life 
to our Lord and Saviour Jesus was the best thing I have ever done. Uh, best decision. So um, it's been it's been crazy. It's like yeah, it's been crazy. It's so crazy. Like when remember the first time I ever felt Holy Spirit. It was it's the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. Mm. Just that that internal inner peace in them in deepest deepest reaches of my soul just peace and happiness it's beautiful i love jesus oh my god yeah that's that peace that's that's that peace that surpasses all understanding glory that to god so because awesome. so awesome. Man, congratulations that, that Hey, to God be the Lord's um um seven. I'm glad that I'm glad that you found that that God was able to add another member to the kingdom. Welcome and aboard. You, you found <laughs> that peace that is the most wonderful thing you could ever have in your life. And never forget it because that peace is always with you as long as you keep your focus on him at all times. That peace would never leave you. It would never forsake you. Man, that's a beautiful thing. That is such a beautiful thing. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited to meet these people. And wow, like, again, I shouldn't say that I wasn't expecting to hear something like that, but I should have been because the way that the Lord works. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you to all of the listeners who are here. Continue to chime in. Um, this this is for all of us. So we're going to continue reading through Exodus and um, okay. I got yeah. a few more. I got a couple more messages. Um, oh, you do? Maybe okay. you need to close your app out. Maybe you need to close your app out and come back in. That way you can well, see I them as well. You, I don't want to lose you. No, you won't lose it. You won't lose me. I do it all the time. Whenever my, my screen messes up, I just close it and come right back in. Okay. Well, you, you go ahead and continue. Right. I just want to tell y'all that um, I, I was a minister for over 20 years and um, I followed some of the great oratory um, type experts out there. I'm an improv artist, a digital designer. I um, edit audio, video footage, and I have an amazing community, right? And I like to do, you know, some voiceover work and things like that. Like I said, I, I do a little improv. And uh, one of my favorite preachers back in the day was Bishop T.D. James. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on. And give the loud praise. Now Pharaoh found himself. Uh, in a trap that it seemed was set by war. <laughs> All right, thank you for that. All right, let's keep can you, going. Can you see the message? Can you see the messages I, I now? I cannot. I cannot. Nope. Uh, all right, so let me. Um, we got one from um King David. Nah, Moses didn't speak Hebrew. That's why he had Aaron. Remember, Moses grew up, uh, he grew up under the Egyptians, so he wasn't as fluent in Hebrew. So that's why Aaron, Aaron had to go with him. Also, uh, I came in late, but uh, yeah, 
the reason why we went through that is because the Lord was showing his power. That's why every time he went, he, you will read that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So the Lord is showing us that he's in control of all things. Hey, King David. Um, that's not incest. So, like, even when you talk about how, uh, Isaac, like, Isaac's wife, there was, like, um, somewhat, like, somewhat, like, distant cousins, or somewhere down the line, they want, like, immediate cousins. You get what I'm saying? But it wasn't like, okay, I'm going, I'm about to go sleep with my sister or I'm about to go sleep with uh, my brother because when you read in the law the Lord told us that uh, we can't look upon our, our, our mother's nakedness or our sister's nakedness so how is it that that's incest that doesn't make any sense um, thank you for being here thank you for your comments and no I wasn't saying that that was incest I was kind of using it as today how we kind of look at certain things but um, definitely appreciate your comments, and um, yeah, let's let's keep going, Jab. So we're okay. At... So the last two verses of um chapter six, and, and it was this Aaron and Moses whom the Lord told bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt according to their military division. Moses and Aaron were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. So now, okay, so. On the, on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to them, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I'm telling you. But Moses rep replied in the Lord's presence, since I'm such a poor speaker, how will Pharaoh listen to me? Now to chapter 7. The Lord answered Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. You must say whatever I command you, and then Aaron, your brother, must declare it to Pharaoh, so he will let the Israelites go from his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh will not listen to you, but I'll put my hand into Egypt and bring the military divisions of my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. All right, so it's it's going back to, and, you know, King David said it, and I said it earlier on when it was intentional that God made um, Pharaoh stubborn, it was so that he could show him his power. He wanted to show people his power. And, you know, he, he knew that he, I mean, God knows that he's going to be able to, to get his people to where they need to go, but... These things are happening because he wants Pharaoh to be aware of his power. So we're at the point where, you know, it's like you need to go back um, and, and, and deal with Pharaoh. And so that's what Moses and Aaron did. They did as the Lord commanded them. And at this point, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83. So Aaron was the older brother. Um, and mm -hmm. they went back. They went back to confront Pharaoh again. And um, so the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand that you show him a miracle to prove that God has sent you. And when he does, Aaron is to throw down his rod and it will become a serpent. So we're at the point where Moses and Aaron went in to see Pharaoh and they performed that miracle. Just as uh, God told them, just as he instructed them, 
Aaron threw down his rod before Pharaoh in his court, and that rod became a serpent. Then Pharaoh called in his sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, and they were able to do the same thing with their magical art. So here we are, Aaron and Moses, they, they're thinking they're equipped to, to do this miracle in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, well, wait a minute. That's all you got. Let me show you something. And then his sorcerers were able to do the same thing. However. But, 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 but Aaron's serpent swallowed their serpents. But of course, Pharaoh still didn't want to listen. So God <laughs> said, okay, <laughs> I told you what I was going to do. But the reason why I say it like this, you know, yes, you know, his heart was hard. But we mm -hmm. always know that God is a merciful God. And he always gives you a chance for correction. So he didn't harden okay. his heart immediately. He, let, he gave him a chance to straighten out the first time. Because you didn't listen the first time, I'm going to leave you to your devices. And you're going to do the stupid things that I'm going to use to show that I am the greatest of all. So now it's time to start showing that I'm, God says, the, I'm sorry, the I am is going to say I am. So we come here in, in chapter 7 and 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. When you see him walking out the water, stand ready to meet him by the bank of the Nile. Take in your hand your staff that turned into a snake. Tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you. Let my people go so they may worship me in the wilderness. But so far you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. Here's how you will know that I am the Lord. Watch as I strike the water in the Nile with my staff in my hand and will turn into blood. And the fish will die, the river will stink, and the Egyptians won't, won't be able to drink. So I have a question. God I have a question. Yeah. Before you before you go. Um so does God have does God have an ego? Well, God is who he is. That that is not it's not our point to question God's motives in any way, shape, or form. Because uh -huh. he is the creator of all. So that's why I'm I, I would I'm not going to even contemplate that he has an ego because because <laughs> saying he has an ego, listen, because saying he has an ego is assigning a human quality to a to a spiritual being. The I'm not going to do that. The reason I'm asking you this is because I heard um, some conversations about ego. And what I heard was God's the only one who is allowed and should have an ego because he is the creator of everything. Like he is the almighty. He is the all powerful. He is he he should have an ego. And for humans to have an ego is almost as if they're considering themselves to be some type of God when we know that they are not capable of anything without God. So that's why I asked that question because I, I, I heard it. Um that, that's actually that's actually an interesting way of looking at it, and I can understand yeah. that. And I can I can yeah. sort of agree to that because yeah. he is the creator creator. He has certain privileges that the creations do not have, and that's understandable. But before we go yeah. further, let's pop these two bubbles. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, okay then, okay then. Well, yeah, that's what it sounded like. But uh, my bad. But yeah, I'm about to uh, go on and finish enjoying my day. Shalom, uh, Lord. So I, I talked to 
one of y'all songs or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah. Hey, King David, thanks for stopping in. I don't know if you're still here, um, but thank you for that message, for that comment. But Jab, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to just make the comment because sometimes I think that um, we're so protective of our God and, and you know, we see him as being so perfect, which he is, you know, God is just like our everything. But I don't think we should be afraid to, to say that God gets angry. We just read like he, he just got angry. I don't know that we should be afraid to, to discuss whether he has an ego, because as you and I just discussed it, I could see we're like, yeah, he should have an ego. You know, so that's why I, I don't want like to jump automatically to that place where we're feel, feeling offensive or overly defensive when it comes to God, because I see it in the way that I presented it as being like a really great compliment. Mm -hmm. I understand. I, I just always uh -huh. try to show, show reverence to his, yeah. his power and, and, sure. and stay in awe and stay in awe of him. And I, I, I'm like Moses, like, how can I say this here? And I, I'm just a lowly man. So I, you can say I'm Moses on this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, but we, got, got we got two messages from, um, my, from, from visionaire. Let's pop. So really, really, this is the technology of your god. Some uh, sorcerer's tricks. You throw down something and it wiggles across. Uh, go get me Godfrey, please. <laughs> yes. Very Ha! Look! See? There are serpents all over the floor right now. <laughs> Godfrey, have you worked out that trick yet? No, this serpent just swallowed it. Incompetence all around. Um, to me, ego is a, a language. And sometimes, if you don't speak ego, that there's not a lot you're going to be able to get done. So sometimes you have to speak ego. And guess what? Man only has an ego because we're made in the image of, oh, oh my God, I think therefore I am. And so, yeah. Everything about us, our emotions, our ego, it, all of the dirty parts, the bad parts that they say we, I, I don't know, should have conquered. How else are we going to deal with it unless it arises? I mean, if you don't have it to deal with, then I guess you're already a heavenly creature. Hey, and and mm. Jab, I know. <laughs> you know, we just have to be sure we're giving all glory to God. That's all I'm going to say about that. So. Amen to that. All glory to God. Yes. All right. Oh, my buddy, so, man, baby, just hopped in. Let me see what he got to say. So that's that's interesting. I, I believe that yeah, God is angry. He's a jealous God. Um, I don't know. He may have an ego. I don't really think so. But at the end of the day. Um, he asks us not to be any of those things. So yeah. being that he's the creator and we are the created, right. um, I think we can be obedient in that way, knowing that all power belongs to God. So if he asks us to get rid of the anger and get rid of the jealousy and being strife and everything, then um, yeah, I believe we can do that. And uh, God doesn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. That's it. I think people confuse it in thinking that we have to be like God. Or God has to be like us in order to, to be a family. But it's like telling your kids, you know, don't do something that you do. 
Because they're the kids. They don't have the right, if you will, to do it. Very interesting perspective. So thank you. Thank you, man, baby, for coming with that comment. Um, so any more any more messages, Jeff? Yeah, we got another one from my Betty Fisher. This, hey man, is this a comedy show? I'm looking, man. I'm trying to keep a straight fake face. This boy say touche, moon frere. <laughs> and that is, oh my god, let, let me straighten my face up, man. Oh, I think, therefore, I in in the presence of God, man, you are nuts. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right, so. So and, and because our time is running low and because this is a very structured thing, I can pretty much go over it because it's, it's the same pattern. So the mm -hmm. pattern is God tells, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh don't listen. God mm -hmm. shows a miracle. And so the first miracle was he turned everything to blood. So then... The magicians of Egypt, they did the same thing. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he didn't listen. So all the Egyptians dug around the Nile to find water, but they could not drink. So seven days happened. Seven days passed. So now the Lord told Moses to go to him again and say, come on, let, let me worship. But if you don't, then you're going to get hit with some frogs, and they're going to be everywhere. Hmm. So you know what happened. They went to they went to um Pharaoh. They didn't listen. Next thing you know, it was frauds everywhere. So in uh, verse eight of eight, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Appeal to the Lord to remove the frauds from you. Then I will let the people go and they can sacrifice to the God. Pharaoh, Moses said to Pharaoh, You may have the honor of choosing. Who shall I appeal on on your behalf of you, your officials and your people, that the frauds be taken away? From you and your houses remain only in the Nile. Tomorrow, he replied. He answered. Most replied, as you said, so you know there'd be no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will go away from you, your houses, and your people. So they will only remain in the Nile. So they did as they did, and the frogs, they died, and they heaped them in heaps. And it was a terrible stink in the land. But when Pharaoh saw there was relief, he hardened his heart again. Wait, wait, right, wait, so wait. Now we so get wait, wait, wait. <laughs> So what you're telling me is that Pharaoh, he was like, okay, okay, I need you to go to the Lord and, and, and beg him, beg him to take care of this frog situation. And, and when he does that, you know, I'm going to see that he's this powerful God and I'm going to succumb and I'm going to let your people go. This is what Pharaoh is saying to Moses. You go back to God, get him to undo this situation and I'm going to let your people go. But then he lied, of course. And he like, oh, my heart got hard again. I ain't finna do this here. So the Lord said to Moses, stretch out the staff and strike the dust of the land and it will become gnats through all the land of Egypt. So now gnats is everywhere. Now the magicians, now you know the magicians were able to, to do the blood thing, right? Mm -hmm. And the magicians was able to bring frogs up out of Egypt. On, for the first two plays, the magicians were able to duplicate. But this third play, they can duplicate it. So the gnats was everywhere. So the magician said to the Pharaoh in, in verse 19, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he wouldn't listen to him. 
as the Lord has said. So then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and go back to Pharaoh again. He said, if you won't let, let my people go, I'm going to send swarms of flies this time. But he said, on that day, I will give a special treatment in the land of Goshen where all the Israelites are living, and there will be no plague there. So now he's making a separation. So Pharaoh's like, well, yeah, it's hitting everywhere, but now it's only going to hit in, in the Egypt land, but not in the it, yes. but it's not going to hit in the, in the Hebrews land. This way That's they right. know that I'm that I'm I am the Lord in the land. That this is really, a distinction really, between really, my people really, and your people. Really, really, really powerful. Now I'm gonna make some distinctions. I'm gonna hit you with some distinctions. And so he did that, right? So we have these mm -hmm. flies about Egypt. The homes were filled with them and the grounds covered with them. But it's gonna be different in the land of Goshen, yeah. where the Israelites yep. left. Right, so yeah, it was different. So now Pharaoh, so now Pharaoh says, "Go sacrifice to your God within the country." But Moses said, "No, no, no! It will not be right to do that because what we will sacrifice to the Lord is detestable to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what the Egyptians detest in front of them, won't they stone us? We must go a distance of three days into the wilderness to sacrifice the Lord our God as He instructs us." All right. Let so me Pharaoh this says, part, please. Let me do this part, please. Please, please, please. Let me do this because this this feral guy, he's like this. Okay, who that we called the um the trickster? Remember in Genesis? Yep. Oh, Jacob. We called Jacob the the trickster, but let me tell you, Pharaoh has some tricks for sure, for sure. So he's saying, "All right, go ahead, but don't go too far away." Now hurry and plead with God for me. So this is him say, saying to Moses, I need you to go and plead with God to get this, you know, fly situation taken care of. And Moses, he said, okay, yeah, I will ask him to cause the swarms of flies to disappear. But I am warning you that you must never again lie to us by promising to let the people go and then changing your mind. So Moses went Right, he left Pharaoh. He asked the Lord to get rid of the flies, and the Lord did as Moses asked and caused the swarms to disappear. So not one remained. But Pharaoh, guess what he did? He hardened his heart again. The same, same thing. And he so did that, that, not that, let the people go. So now that puts us at, at chapter nine. Chapter so nine. now we got the death of livestock coming up. So, so he told him to go to Moses with him again. He said he's gonna put a severe plague among all your livestock. But again, the Lord's gonna make a division. He's only gonna do it in, in the Egyptian land and not in the land of um of the of the Israelites. Right. So the Lord did this, and the next day all the Egyptian livestock died, but none of them the Israelite livestock died. Pharaoh sent messages. Who saw that not a single one of the Israelite livestock was dead, but Pharaoh's heart was hard. He didn't still didn't let the people go. So the Lord said, All right, all right, you still ain't listening? All right, so now take a handful of furnace soot and throw it towards the sky in the sight of the Pharaoh, and it's gonna become fine dust over the entire land of Egypt, and it's gonna become festering boils. So now they now they body got they got sores all over their body, right? 
Ooh. And they said like the magicians could not even stand. Mm-hmm. Hey, they said the magicians can't even stand because before the Moses because of the boils. For the boils were on the magicians as well as on the Egyptians. But the um, oh, Pharaoh's heart still hard. He didn't listen. So now the seventh plague came some hell. So now I out the sky. You ain't want to listen. Now I did uh, kill your livestock. Hold on. Let, let's run it down from the beginning. So first, I uh, turned your water to blood. I uh, put frogs all over the place. Now I um, dropped the nets on you. Now, uh, then I hit you with some flies. Then I killed all your livestock. Now I'm raining you down with hell. So the hell coming and knock everything down, everything that was left down that didn't get knocked down by the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So he sent thunder and hell, and it struck all over, all over Egypt, right? So it was like it was so severe that nothing had occurred in in the land of Egypt since it had become a nation, and it struck down everything, knocked down all the plants, the field, all the trees. The only place that didn't hail that was Goshen, where the, the, the Israelites said. So now, verse 27, Pharaoh said to Moses, Aaron, I have sinned this time. The Lord is the righteous one, and I, my people, the guilty one. Make appeal to the Lord. We have nothing of God's done in hell. I will let you go. You don't need to stay any longer. Moses, when I have left the city, I will spread my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hell, so that you will know the earth belongs to the Lord. As for you and your fishes, I know you still don't fear the Lord God. So Moses already knew what you was going to do. So the flats and the barley got destroyed, but the wheat, the wheat and the spelt were not destroyed because they were later crops. They were still in the ground, I guess. Yeah, so they were in the ground. If we look towards the end, we, so we look towards the end of chapter nine, and it said, when Pharaoh saw the rain, the hell, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart. Now this time, he didn't say God hardened his heart. He said he hardened his heart. You see. So now Pharaoh's heart so, was hard, and he did not let the Israelites go, as the Lord had said through Moses. Can Can I say something? So, like, you know, when people talk all the time about free will, so all those other times, too, like when we're talking about um, Jehovah hardening Pharaoh's heart, right? And so you just made mm-hmm. a distinction right now, and what did you say? He hardened his own heart. So again, this is God trying to say, this is God. He had a choice every time. It wasn't just this time. He had always had a choice, but because he wanted to lie. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that another time. No, because because God, God gives us all free will. If he, if he would have had a contrite heart, God wouldn't have hardened his heart. He could only harden what was not so, because he, here's the difference. He was saying the right thing. But his heart was never in the right place. So he was saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna let your people go." But at the same time, he was like, "I'm just saying this so you can let, so you can these plates can get off of me." But That's see, what he was saying. So wait, 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 Jab. King David and I were kind of saying the same thing that God was hardening his heart so he could continue to show him his power. And so now, this last time, Pharaoh is in a position he can just do. He could just do something on his own. But this time, the hardening of his heart, that came from him. But, you know, we're running out of time, so that's something that we can explore uh, further later. All right, so that puts it at at chapter 10, yes. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I harden his heart and the heart of his officials, so that I may do these miraculous signs of my among you. 
and they may tell your that you may tell your sons and your grandsons how severely I dealt with the Egyptians and performed miraculous signs among them, and they will know that I'm the Lord. So, so wait, God, stop. so Moses wait. and God, so Moses yeah. and so yeah, you, he said he he hard he's gonna harden his heart again. So wait, can can I go back because you just be reading through stuff so fast and you're reading the Bible? I just want to under where's the part that you when you were saying that. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Where was that? Tell me that verse so I can. That was on um, verse, verse um thirty-five. So what I so what I see nine thirty-five. What I see is that Pharaoh refused to let the people leave, just mm -hmm. as the Lord had predicted to Moses. But I don't see where it's saying that. Pharaoh hardened his own heart if he refused, just like he's done all the other times. So I just want to be clear. I'm gonna to have to look into that a little bit more. Okay, but, so I'm um, gonna look, look from King James. From King James, it said on um, 935, and the heart of Pharaoh was hard, neither would he let ch the children of Israel go, as the Lord has spoken by Moses. Um, you just know what the NLT you said? I'm looking now in King James. I'm looking at King James. I said what. Well, I was in yeah. the Living Bible. I was looking at Living Bible before. Bible. So now you said um, in King James, I'm just going to turn really quickly here. It says, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. <laughs> so it, it's not saying that. So wait, let me go back to 34, King James. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So that's the part. It's 34, not 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 34. so you see he hard. So 34, yeah. But yeah, 35 I, is just continuing. The heart yeah. of the Pharaoh was hard. Yeah. So 34, I saw so it. So what it, what it is, is like what I said at the beginning, that God gives us all the chance to repent. But when we decide to not be honest with God. God's like, okay, so we're gonna let I'm going to let you wallow in it and prove to you that I am God. Yeah. So that's what chap that's what we had in chapter 10. He's gonna say, since you didn't want to listen, I'm gonna close up your ears so you really can't hear. Since you didn't want to hear for yourself, okay, I'm gonna stop your ears up again. You're gonna rely on your own understanding. Like like you ever heard it um they talk about having a ret a retrograde mind. That's what Pharaoh had, because he had kept denying the spirit of the Lord time after time after time after time. So God said, okay, I'm going to stop up your ears so you can't hear me. You're going to hear only what you want to hear so you can get out of something, not knowing that it's going to dig your teeth. So let me go back to 10 again. It said, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart, the heart is his official, so I may do these miraculous signs of mine among them, and that you may tell your sons and your grandsons how severely I dealt with the Egyptians, how I performed miraculous signs among them, and you would know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrew says, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may worship me. But if you refuse my people go, then tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. So if we skip down, we see in seven, he said, Pharaoh's official asked them, how long must this man be a snare to us? Let the men go so they may worship the Lord their God. 
Don't you realize if yet the Israel, Egypt is devastated? So Moses and Aaron was brought back to God. Go worship the Lord your God. But exactly who will be going? Moses said, we'll go with our young and our old. We'll go with our sons, our daughter, with our flocks, and with our herds, because we must hold the Lord's festival. And he said to them, the Lord will have to be with you if I ever let you and your families go. Look out. You headed for trouble. No, just able-bodied men worship the Lord, since that's what you want. And they were driven from Pharaoh's presence. The Lord said, spread out your hands, and here comes the locusts. So when he stretched out his staff, he sent a wind, and the locusts flew, flew, the, flew over the whole of Egypt and ate up everything. So everything that got knocked down by, by the hail and stuff, the locusts ate it all up. So there was nothing green left on the trees or the plants throughout the land of Egypt. Let me go over here. Mm -hmm. um, then Pharaoh, this is the this is the point where Pharaoh, he now he's urgent. Now he wants to be urgent. So he's calling for Moses and Aaron, and he says to them, All right, I'm confessing my sin against your God and against you. He's asking to be forgiven and he's begging God to take take away this, right? Take away this death, he's saying. He's seen these locusts just, just killing everything. And he says, I promise not to refuse afterwards to let you go. So once again, this dude is like begging, asking for forgiveness. He's promising, you know, I'm going to let you go. And so Moses, he left Pharaoh, went to the Lord. And here we're at the point where now there's this strong west wind and it blew the locusts out into the Red Sea. So there wasn't any locusts left in the land of Egypt. So once again, here we are. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart yet again and Pharaoh did not let the people go. <laughs> so... Now we have the Lord saying to Moses, lift your hands to heaven and darkness without a ray of light will descend upon the land of Egypt. So that's what Moses did. And there was this thick darkness all over the land for three days. And during that time, the people, it was tough for them to move around, right? And this, this is the people yep. of, in, of Egypt. But the people of Israel, Not, they had light. They had sunshine. Yeah, it was they sunshine. It, it was like it was like a beautiful morning while they were yeah. cast in the pits of darkness. So then Pharaoh gonna say, "Okay, okay, 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 okay. Go worship the Lord. You can't even take all your families, but leave your but leave your flocks and your herds behind." But Moses said, "No, we got to sacrifice to our God." But see, because Pharaoh didn't listen, the Lord hardened his heart again. And Pharaoh said to him, leave me. Make sure you never see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you will die. And then Moses said, as you have said, you will never see, I will never see your face again. And this brings us to chapter 11. And before we uh -oh. jump into 11, because this is, this is the last um, chapter that we're going to cover during this particular live, we're going back to our topic. Are you bullheaded like Pharaoh? And so 
you know, we, we talk about free will a lot when we have our podcast, when we, you know, our Christian podcast and we're discussing spirituality and relationships with God and people talk about free will and so on and so forth. So, you know, what type of decisions are you making? What type of, when, when, like, do you hear God when he's speaking to you? And if he's telling you to go left, are you going right? Are you like, eh, I think I'm just going to handle this myself. I think I might get there quicker if I go left. Th these stories that we're reading in the Bible, these par parables, and, and, and listen to this, you know, there's this, obviously there's this historical component when we're reading through the Bible, but there's so many things that you could look at today and you can apply these things to today. You can look at yourself today, look at your relationship with God are you really listening? Do you have that type of faith and that type of relationship with God where you're hearing him, where, where, where you're just making better decisions and you're placing your trust in him? So we always like to go back to the topic because the topic is so important and it's something that we really want you guys to think about. So um, we're going to finish out this segment with 11. And uh, we're going to come back again. And we'll probably, it looks like just with what's left in Exodus, we just need to do maybe just one more segment and we'll be able to finish out Exodus. And there's going to be um, another host with me for Leviticus. We're going to have Gmos with me covering Leviticus. And we have a few people lined up as we go through the different books of the Bible. So those who are here right now, I hope you'll come back and join us. If you didn't hear Genesis with us, it's in the recording. Please feel free to go back and listen to Genesis. Don't know where Jack Morris is, but if he doesn't come back, I'm going to go ahead and finish right out 11. I'm, no, I'm right here. I would just mute that for a second. All right. Let's go ahead and bring it home then. Okay. Let me pop these messages and then we'll bring it home. Okay. All right. Hello, cool little sis. Uh, hey, Jack Morris. I enjoyed listening to y'all tonight. Uh, Jay Barry, if you want to uh, go live later on today, if you're available, we can. I'm um, trying to get some set up for tonight, and I need some co-hosts do a roundtable or something. But uh, I enjoy listening to this talk, and if you guys are finna end it, uh, God bless. And if you guys are going to keep it going, I'm so ready to hear what's going on next. Hey, Overseer, thank you so much for joining in. We appreciate you for sure. And um, yeah, we're going to just go through. Um, yeah, I think we're just going to go through 11 and end right there before we get to 12. That'll be where we'll start the next one, right? Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot to unpack from um, basically from from 12 to from 12 to, um, to like 14. There's a whole lot to unpack. Mm hmm Yeah. All right. So well, we're gonna go ahead and get it. So we're gonna yeah, let me um let me pop I got a couple other bubbles. I'm gonna pop them yep. real quick. Okay? Yeah. Did he lie or was it a like comedy for him? Because you know what? They had Belzebub, who was the Lord of the Flies, which basically ate the dead thing. So it wasn't like they had never dealt with that onslaught of flies or frogs before. Right, so what you do is you get a lot of flies, and then something's gonna happen. Oh yeah! Well, first there's a lot of blood in the water. A whole bunch of stuff die, fish, all that stuff float to the top. It's invaded by flies. The flies go crazy. The frogs go crazy. 
this kind of wasn't new to them, especially being the Pharaoh who ruled the land for a long period of time. It wasn't really new. Yeah, you know what? But here's the thing, like um, like with the locust, that's like it was never seen before. Yes, a lot. In fact, if you look at the last five or six plates, was stuff that they had never ever seen before. They had never seen hail like that before. They had never seen locusts like that before. They had never seen flies like that before. They had never seen gnats like that before. All this stuff was like that. Yeah, and and throughout this, again, I say is is God showing His power, and then He just kept turning it up, turning it up, turning it up. So, yeah. All right, let's hear the man, baby. So when it say that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, what it's saying is that Pharaoh disliked God. The just the, the mere mention of the presence of God made the Pharaoh upset, made his heart harden like that. That's how he felt felt towards God. The way y'all reading it, um, you seeing it as if God did it to Pharaoh. But it's just telling you how Pharaoh felt towards God. Yeah, I like that insight because that's exactly like the way too. I see it the same way. Is that I like that too. Yeah, because what basically he posed to do that that he didn't want to do right because he despised the, the God because he didn't believe that he was his God. He had his own gods. In fact, if you know anything about Egyptian mythology. You know that the pharaohs themselves were considered gods. So at this point, you got a man that's sitting up there thinking he's the most powerful man in everything that he's seen, but he don't understand that he's nowhere near as powerful as the man he can't see. <laughs> but see, see, you know what? These different so we we've talked about this before. The word is the word is the word, but when we read it, sometimes we get this different type of understanding. So I love when we have these type of forums where people can come in and, you know, we could dig a little bit deeper, study a little more, research it, pray more about it, but definitely some, some good information to walk away from this. And I definitely do plan to dig deeper. So man, baby, thank you. Visionaire. Thank you. Overseer. I got one Every more message for him. Can too. I finish? Can I finish? Can I, I know. I think you are so quick. I just was thanking people, but go ahead and play your message. Oh no, I was just letting you know that we had one message, so you were asking me to finish up the chapter. That's all. Yes. Yeah, so thank you, everyone. I know we just have two right now for um, anyone who jumped on with the comment. It just made this just so much better than I even anticipated. And I definitely look forward to reading through the rest of the books. And hopefully you guys will bounce back on when you um, see a notification come up. So, Jab, you yeah, you see the messages. I cannot. So why don't you go ahead, finish out the messages, and then we'll finish out the this last chapter. It's kind of like when somebody says, so-and-so, so-and-so makes me sick. Like that. Just the name. They hear yeah. the name, like, ooh, don't, go, don't say the name, man, it make me sick. It's just telling you how Pharaoh kind of felt about God. And so God hardened his heart. God was like, you know, God, to him, when he, hear, when he hear about God or see anything about God, it's, it just makes him sick. <laughs> yeah, it makes him angry. That's it. So, man, baby, are you saying it's kind of like when Trump would hear, hear somebody mention Obama? 
is it how Trump felt about Obama? Like, that's the first thing I thought of when you said that, because the very thought of Obama made Trump uh, sick. But yeah, let's let's not really go there. <laughs> go ahead. Let's finish up. All right. So chapter 11, the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more play unto Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you out of here. Now announce to the people that both men and women should ask their neighbors for silver and gold items. The Lord gave the people favor with the Egyptians. In addition, Moses himself was highly regarded in the land of Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord said. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. And every firstborn male in the land of Egypt would die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, the firstborn of the servant girl, who is at the grindstones, as well as every firstborn of the livestock. Then there would be a great cry of anguish through all the land of Egypt, such as never was before or ever will be again. But against all the Israelites, whether people or animals, not even a dog was snoring, so that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All of these officials of yours will come down to me and bow before me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I would get out. And he went out from Pharaoh's presence fiercely angry. Okay, and hold on. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to finish that. I'm going to finish at um, what? I'm going to do take nine. So when you finish, you're on eight, right? Yeah. So basically, it, it, this is actually a continuation from verse 10. When, when Moses said, I will never see your face again, I think he pretty much said that at the same time. So, so I guess the Lord was having a conversation with Moses while he was talking to Pharaoh. Like, like imagine, like you know, we hear and and we had a little buzz in our ear, and the producers talking to us, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, like that, because he said, "I would never see your face again." So he couldn't have came back to Pharaoh. So he had to still be in front of him. Hmm. Make sense. I'm trying to make it make sense. I just I just remember when the Lord was saying, you know, he's going to want to run you out of here, like he's not going to want to see you again. So, is that what you're what is that what you're saying? I'm trying to follow you here. Okay, so at, at the end of the nine, and he said, as you had said, Moses replied, I would never see your face again. But if you look in verse 4, Moses was still talking to um Pharaoh Okay. Oh, hello. Make sure. Let me show sure him correct. Yeah. Let me see. Well, maybe he wasn't. Let me take it back. Let me look here. But no, because he he had to be talking to, and he said he went out from Pharaoh's presence fiercely angry. So he had to be in front of him. Otherwise, that verse wouldn't make any sense, right? Well, well, let me let me let me just kind of backtrack just from the living here. So I'm gonna go back to seven. So he's saying. But not a dog shall move his tongue against any of the people of Israel, nor shall any of their animals die. Then you will know that Jehovah makes a distinction between Egyptians and Israelis. All these officials of yours will come running to me, bowing low and begging, please leave at once and take all your people with you. Only then will I go. Then, red-faced with anger, Moses stomped from the palace. So he's pretty much... He's kind of yeah. like giving. He Pharaoh was done. Like, they yeah, were both was... done with each other. Neither one. Pharaoh didn't want to see Moses again. Moses didn't want to see Pharaoh. But I was just saying, chapter eleven happens while he was still in the presence of Pharaoh from chapter ten. That's all I was saying. 
okay. He never okay. left. He didn't leave until that verse when he stumped out of there angrily. Okay. Yeah, so then as we finish up 11, the Lord had told Moses, Pharaoh won't listen. And this will give me the opportunity of doing mighty miracles to demonstrate my power. So although Mo Moses and Aaron did these miracles right before Pharaoh's eyes, the Lord hardened his heart so that he wouldn't let the people leave the land. So we talked about, as you like to say, Jab, all these different plagues, all these different things that occurred all the way through. And now we're entering chapter 12, which we're not going to do right now. But we're at the point where still the people have not been let go. Exactly. Gonna, it's, yeah. So we're going to pick up. <laughs> we're going to pick up at 12 the next time we come on here to finish out Exodus. But it was just really exciting going through and just checking out this hardening of the heart. And based on what Man Baby said, I am going to dig deeper, research more, and pray about it to get a better understanding of that hardening of the heart. So I'm going to research that more. Jab, I would suggest you do the same. So when we come back and we start the next segment, we can reproach this and talk about it a little bit more before we hit chapter 12. Are you okay with that? Fine and dandy. Let's pop this one bubble for me and baby, and then we can close. Then I'll let you, um, I I'll make my last comments, and then you can make your last comments and close out in prayer, okay? Go right ahead. In Hebrew, to um, be face-to-face -face with somebody is meaning to have an intimate, loving uh, conversation with them. That's what face-to-face -face means. You'll see that later on in the Bible when it said uh, Moses uh, seen God face-to-face. So, in addition to that, um, when he said, I won't see your face again, he's saying we won't be friends anymore, loving, intimate friends as we were. We won't have that same relationship that we had before. That's what he was saying. So, let me go back. I want to go back first. Thank you. Thank you, man, baby, for that. I just want to go back. And so, for those of you, so we're kind of treating the Bible as we go through Genesis and Exodus and then all of the... Um, other books we're treating it as if we're reading it for the first time so we're not really looking ahead um so we're trying not to make any references to what might happen down the line if we can avoid that just going book by book by book by book as if this were brand new to us um so i want to go back to um I'm, I'm looking back to where he was saying just at the start of 11 I just want to read through very quickly. Do you do you have just a couple of a minutes um, for us to finish this out? Because I want to just go back and read this at the start. So at 11, then the Lord said to Moses, I will send just one more disaster on Pharaoh and his land. And after that, he will let you go. In fact, he will be so anxious to get rid of you that he will practically throw you out of the country. Tell all the men and women of Israel to prepare to ask their Egyptian neighbors for costly gold and silver jewelry. For God caused the Egyptians to be very favorable to the people of Israel. And Moses was a very great man in the land of Egypt and was revered by Pharaoh's officials 
and the Egyptian people alike. So that was in parentheses. So now we're at four. Now Moses announced to Pharaoh, Jehovah says, about midnight I will pass through Egypt and all the oldest sons shall die in every family in Egypt from the oldest, oldest child of Pharaoh, heir to his throne, to the oldest child of his lowliest slave and even the firstborn of the animals. The well of death will resound throughout the entire land of Egypt. Never before has there been such anguish and it will never be again. But not a dog shall move his tongue against any of the people of Israel, nor shall any of their animals die. Then you will know that Jehovah makes a distinction between Egyptians and Israelites. All these officials of yours will come running to me, bowing low and begging, please leave at once. Take all of your people with you. Only then will I go. Then, red-faced with anger, Moses stomped from the palace. The Lord had told Moses, Pharaoh won't listen, and this will give me the opportunity of doing mighty miracles to demonstrate my power. So, although Moses and Aaron did these miracles right before Pharaoh's eyes, the Lord hardened his heart so that he wouldn't let the people leave the land. So, that's 11 for you. Um, I'm going to, again, do a little more studying of that. And when we come back next time, Jab, we can we can kind of just revisit 11 and then we'll move on after that. Yeah, because the 10th the plate, we noticed that the next couple of chapters discusses it. So it's good to go mm -hmm. back, especially since this is a, a shorter chapter. But it, right. it definitely gives the the um, the blueprint on what's going to happen. And then we see how it all plays out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Any more but, messages? Um, yeah. Because I can't. No, see. no more message. No more messages. Um, I'm gonna just say this is a very good study, and um, it it was real good to see how important it is to keep your ears open and to mm -hmm. understand that if God is coming to you, especially when you, when God decides to sh show you signs and mm -hmm. you don't listen, you mm -hmm. in for a world of trouble. And keep that in the back of your mind because you're going to see that happen. You're going to see that happen later on a lot and a lot and a lot. Just keep that in the back of your mind. When you I see the Lord, that. when you mm -hmm. see that the Lord then showed you a sign and you mm -hmm. still don't listen, yeah. it's going to be literally hell to pay. Literally. <laughs> that And you know what that sounds like when you don't listen that you think you're more powerful than God or something. Exactly. So, it's a form of mm -hmm. idolatry because mm -hmm. you're not recognizing him as the most high. Mm -hmm. And he said he's a, and he said he's a jealous God like 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 um somebody was saying in another live stream how jealous he is. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's a lot to be jealous because he created all. So why why and he cannot stand when we elevate the creation over the creator. That so that's what we were talking about, about the ego thing. That's kind of along the lines of what, what I was saying about that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. well, I turn it over to you now. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here, Jab. Really appreciate it. And you stayed over. You stayed over almost an hour now, so I really appreciate your time. And I hope you feel that it was well worth it because I um, definitely enjoyed having you here and look forward to us finishing out Exodus as well. So um, I am just going to go ahead and pray us out. Um, oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this platform to fellowship. 
Um, this conversation, this discussion of your word was just so powerful, was so enlightening. It means so much to me. I hope that it affects everyone else as well in a very impactful way where they might want to go back and 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 start reading all over again. Because obviously, every time you pick up the word and you visit it and revisit it, you're going to get something good from it. And I did mention earlier, oh Lord, that we should treat the Bible not only as your word, but also as a manual for us us to live by. And I pray that people get to know your word and get to know you and just increase their relationship with you, O Lord, because it's such a valuable thing to have as we navigate through life here on earth to know that you're walking with us and that you will give us your, your grace and your mercy. And when we do sin, that we can come to you for forgiveness and we can repent and you're going to listen and you're going to be forgiving. You are the almighty, the all powerful, and we are blessed to have you here. Thank you for having your son die for our sin. Um, I don't take that lightly. I never will. And I'm going to live each day out to just become more pleasing to you. I look forward, dear Lord, for you bringing us together again on stereo so we can do this again. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we thank you, dear God, and God bless everyone. Thank you, Jad Morris. Peace and blessings. Amen. 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 Take care. And I'll talk to you soon so we could set up for the next one, okay? Got you, the cool little sis. All God right. bless you. You too. Have a great evening.